I am so glad you're here. We are uh, wrapping up our prayer challenge series. This has been a four-session series. So far, you've had three sessions. If you've been here every time, this is the last session together, prayer challenge. If you are a guest and you think, oh, man, I missed the first three quarters of the movie. Now, uh, we're glad you're here. Every one of these sessions will stand alone, but you can always take a look online and catch the other parts of it if you are interested after today. In session one and every week afterwards, we made available to you a packet of information that is just tools for you to kind of um, raise your level of prayer in your life, a prayer challenge packet. Inside of it is a, a devotional uh, concept and some tools there, as well as a daily prayer that uh, is multi-page prayer that I've been praying for five months. And I mentioned from the beginning, I mentioned it again, that uh, I'm not a person that really was trained to read a prayer, but... I needed to kind of train myself and ramp up my prayer life, and this daily prayer um, has really shifted some things inside and been powerful for me, and I've been doing it every day for five months. So maybe you could see that as a helpful tool to you for whatever season. I'm not going to do this forever, uh, but I'm still gaining a lot of momentum right now. I'm going to keep it up for a while, so maybe you could take a look at that. So if that is an interesting thing to you, right afterwards, you can walk, walk across the hall, pick up your prayer challenge packet. We have, <clears throat> having said that, although there's a written prayer in there, and a digitized form, if you want to modify it, adapt it to match your words a little better, you can grab that online. Um, having said that, here's the purpose of this series, and it helps to clarify a little bit. It's not praying the right words that makes prayer effective, but learning how to pray in such a way that we connect with and align ourselves in God's life kingdom, and authority. And so it's not the wording, it's, it's learning how to align with God's life, kingdom, and authority. And that's what we've been talking about. We have so far been working on, uh, th these are the three sessions. The first session was Get Ready. The second session was called Pray. The third session was called Listen, and Doug Freeman brought that last week. Didn't he do a great job? Pray, Listen, and then today, this session is called Repeat. So here's the pattern. It is get ready, pray, listen, repeat. So get ready again, pray again, listen again, repeat again. I could keep doing this, but this is the rhythm that we're talking about. Life has a rhythm to it. You're, there's a rhythm inside of your chest, a rhythm of life, physically speaking. But prayer is a rhythm that brings life to your spiritual life as well. We've been speaking about that. So the focus today reads this way. It is to be expected in the rhythm of prayer to repeat prayers for the right things. Sometimes you get confused. Jesus says some things, and some translations even make it more confusing, where it talks about don't repeat yourself in prayer, but that's about babbling repetitiously as the pagans do, thinking that by their words, by their incantations, by their repetitions, they're twisting the arms of the God, so to speak, to make happen what they want to have happen. And Jesus says, don't do that. But it's not the words of repetition in the sense of prayers can be repeated when you're praying for the right things, okay? And so sometimes it's confusing. So today's focus is on when you're praying for the right thing and it hasn't happened yet, it's still the right thing. Keep praying. Repeat. Keep praying, okay? So we're going to get this from Scripture together a little bit. Now, we're going to jump into a kind of an ugly passage of Scripture 
We don't like to think about these things. They're still happening today in other parts of the world right now. And so I'm going to ask you to do something kind of ugly with your imagination just to feel the intensity of it, okay? So would you imagine with me you arrive to church and let's just say we're not in America where we have the freedoms that we have because of the sacrifices people have made and we're not in America and so it's very dangerous to be believers of Jesus, which is the way it is in many countries. Imagine then we get news. Now those of you who are guests, I mentioned that Doug Freeman preached last week. I have Doug Freeman's permission for us to imagine this, okay? Imagine we got news that Doug Freeman was arrested after last week's sermon and he was, now that the chuckling is over, beheaded, okay? This happens all over the globe right now in many places, this is real stuff. And then on that same day where we just hear about this, oh, the whole thing goes, ooh. And then it's time for me to get up and preach. And instead of me getting up, and it's my turn to preach, somebody else gets up and says, somebody just arrested Jim in the parking lot, and they just hauled him off. I think they're planning on beheading him too. Okay? Now, I'm the one that's telling you to imagine this, so I can tell it however I want to. Okay? I picked that Doug Freeman was the one that's beheaded and I'm going to be the one that you pray for that doesn't get beheaded. That's how I picked it because I'm telling the story, all right? Because the reason I want you to imagine this is that we're going to jump into Acts chapter 12 where this happens to the leaders of that church where James is captured and beheaded and then Peter is captured, okay? And that's where we're jumping into. But I want us to feel that a little bit because this is an ugly passage of scripture that ends up being quite powerful for teaching us about prayer. So open your Bibles now to Acts chapter 12. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab the chair Bible in front of you, turn to page 767. If you don't have a Bible that reads easily for you and you just haven't been reading the Bible and you'd like to take this one, we'll give that to you. It's our gift to you. Put your name in it. Looks like a lot of the others around here. Make it yours and we'd love for you to read that whenever you feel like reading it. All right. So we're jumping into Acts chapter 12. We're going to read 17 verses together. So you want to have this text in front of you because this is going to kind of be important. It starts this way. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now, let me just clarify. Some of you are very familiar with the Christmas story. You remember King Herod and the Christmas story. That's a different King Herod. That's great-grandpa King Herod or grandpa King Herod. This is the grandson King Herod. They had multiple Herods in the line of Herod, okay? Now, not very many of these Herods were very good. All of them did awful things. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the, sword, with the sword. Okay, that's one sentence. It's very fast. That's about how fast it happened. That's about how much time the church had to react. That's it. And so that's how Luke, who's the writer of Acts, writes it in just one line. Would you see how this is kind of a quick staccato, done, almost violent in its sentence? Notice this. He had James, the brother of John, Put to death with a sword. Ugh. Okay? Now, this is James, the brother of John. So, do you remember the inner circle of Jesus? There was an inner circle of three Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Sometimes when Jesus is just meeting with the inner circle, it's with the three Peter, James, and John. And so, this is that James. That gets confusing because later on, We'll have another James. It's a different James because that James is now dead, okay? Let's keep reading. 
When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Okay, math people, really quick. How many soldiers is that? Good math people. Sixteen. Is this unusual to put 16 soldiers on one guy in a chained, locked position? It's like, why do you need so many people locked up? Is this unusual? Answer, yes. Why did Herod do this? The answer, experience. In chapter 5, all the apostles were locked up in prison. And in chapter 5, we discover an angel shows up. And while the guards are guarding, the angels release them. And they're just out preaching again. It's like, so Herod knows about this. And this is not happening. I've got Peter. I've got four squads of four soldiers each. We're going to make sure that this guy stays here. <laughs> um, as we continue on. Verse 4. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So he has some political reasons for doing this. He's picked the largest Jewish crowd possible with the largest audience of people that are in favor of squashing out this movement that's exploding into growth and causing all kinds of tension in their community. And he wants to put it out of its misery. Verse 5, everyone, is a key verse. Did you hear me? Verse 5, everyone, is a key verse. I want you to remember this. Here we go. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I don't know the ultimate answer for why James was killed and Peter was saved. The rest of the story is about how Peter is saved. I don't know why God made that happen, but is it possible it's because the church couldn't rally to pray for James. And because of the awful situation, okay, have you got news? They just arrested Jim too. What are you going to do? What they did was they gathered together and started a prayer vigil. Okay? So this is a key verse because now we have this compare and contrast between one martyrdom and one release or victory. Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. I'm just, okay, so how long does it take to fall asleep when you're in this prison chained to guards after being arrested, after your good buddy is beheaded, and you have trial the next day, and you're scheduled to be beheaded. How long does it take you to fall asleep? Okay? Peter's sleeping. He eventually got to sleep. Eventually. Meanwhile, the gathered church is all gathered, and they're praying all night long. Okay? That's the scenario. So, things are really, really dark. The church is feeling this is battle in the unseen realm is taking place, and there's a battle as it's showing up in the, the realm that we can see, and they're all gathered to pray. Now, if you just are part of that scene, and you're praying all night long, I mean, what words do you pray? What are you praying? How do you pray? Imagine yourself there, because we're not told. We get some hints as we go, but we're not told. 
Things are looking really, really dark, and they're praying. I love how verse 7 starts, and it just starts suddenly. Okay, we'll stop there. Don't you love it? In your life, you have gone through periods of darkness, and internally, here's what you feel like. It's dark and getting darker, and I don't know any hope. I have no idea where it's going to get lighter again. I have no idea if this is going to get better. I just feel like it's going to get worse. There's just nothing that's going to happen that could, could make this better. Suddenly, something happens. It's, it's not what you expected, and God intervenes. That's what we read here. Now, that's the front end of bookends, because we're going to run into the word suddenly again. We've got these bookends of suddenly, and right between the story is an amazing move of God in response to the gathered church gathered for prayer. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. You know why he had to strike him on the side? Because Peter's sleeping. You ever try to wake up a teenager with just a light? Okay, Peter's asleep, the light didn't work. Okay, now you got to kick him, move him. And he's really sleeping. Struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. That's cool. Okay, now, imagine yourself, you're waking up, bright being, chains just fell off. What are you thinking? Let's discover what Peter's thinking. Peter followed him, oh, whoops, verse 8. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. See, Peter's been through stuff like this before. We, we were in the, the session one of, of this whole series together where Peter has vision after vision. He's trying to figure out, what does this vision mean? And he's interpreting it. So he's having, he's having another vision. He's trying to interpret this. I'm in prison. There's a glorious being. Change just fell off. Okay, I'm putting on my clothes. Okay, I'm walking out of prison. What does this mean? Okay, and he, he's trying to figure out what this vision means. And we go to verse 10. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And he's never been to Walmart, never seen this before. It's like, never seen this thing where it's guards. It's just this vision. What does this vision mean? This is the strangest dream I've ever had. It's just like open by itself. Then Peter came to himself and said, now he has this incredible insight. Oh, I went a little bit too fast. There's the other bookend. It opened for it, them by itself and they went through it when they had walked the length of the street. There's the word again. Suddenly, the angel left. That's the sound of the angel leaving. Because it's really hard to picture it any other way. All right, so you at the beginning, he shows up. And then at the end, he's gone. All right. Suddenly, the angel left. Then Peter came to this great thing. Here's his insight. Now, I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping that would, ha- would happen. Isn't that amazing brilliance? How did you get that idea, Peter? Because I'm here on the street, I'm outside of the jail, and I'm really out, and it's not a vision, and it's cold. Oh, wow, this is incredible. Now, the rhythm of his life is increasing. This is really happening. Verse 12, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John. Okay, this is not the John, the brother of James. 
Okay? This gets really confusing, but this is Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. This is John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. The room that he goes to is the upper room that Jesus was at with all the apostles when he instituted the Lord's Supper right before his crucifixion. That's the room that Peter goes to. Why did Peter go there? Because this is the nerve center of the movement. He knew there'd be people gathered there to tell somebody, so he went there to tell somebody what has happened to him. So when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So meanwhile, they're still praying, praying and praying. Okay, before we keep reading. Okay, so catch up to what's going on here. Jesus teaches his people to pray. Jesus teaches his people to understand there are multiple kingdoms here. We live in two worlds. Everything that we see, you think that's the real world. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's the temporary one. That's all going away. But there's a kingdom that you don't see that is not going away. That's the eternal kingdom. I came to usher you into the eternal kingdom. It's here now. There's an unseen dimension to it. There's the light kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness and there, we're in a battle and we're in this clash. These disciples all learn this from Jesus so when they hear that Peter is arrested they do exactly what Jesus teaches them to do. They gather to pray in an all night prayer vigil to do battle in the realms they cannot see. Now, I just said a few things that some of you don't believe. If you don't believe that demons are real um, I hope that you'll come to that belief. The re- I do believe that demons are real. I believe that angels are real. I believe that germs are real. I think you do too, and I can't see those either. All right? And Jesus believes that angels and demons are real. That's his worldview. And Jesus rose from the dead. I'm going to go with his opinion, his worldview. I happen to believe there's reason to believe what he says is true. So we've got this worldview, and that's why they're praying. Let's keep reading now the story. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, so her rhythm is increasing, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. (laughs) Oops. And exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel, which is like the weirdest comment ever. It must be his angel? What, what are they saying? Here's what I think is going on. This is my opinion. You can just throw it out the window as soon as you leave here if you want, because it's not Bible. Here's my opinion. I think they've been praying that angels would intervene on Peter's behalf. They've been praying this all night long. They're praying things like, God, you sent an angel to deliver Daniel, and you did it. And here's Peter. He's being, he's being held right now. It's not lions, but they're trying to behead him. Send an angel right now. Please do send this angel. And they're praying other things about angels showing up and angels doing this. You, this time that Daniel uh, prayed and fasted for 21 days, and finally you sent an angel after 21 days. I hope we don't have to pray and fast for 21 days. Can you answer tonight? You know, they're, they're, whatever, whatever they're praying. And so when Rhoda says, I think it's Peter, they say, no, it's by the angel we're praying for. Right? That's what they're maybe thinking. Maybe. All right? It must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter is still Peter. So he's knocking louder. 
right? We got verse 16, but Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Now, this cracks me up. They've been praying and praying and praying that Peter be released. And now here is Peter, the answer to their prayers, and they're surprised. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I love this about the Bible. If you were to make this story up, you wouldn't write it this way. If I were to make this story up, I would never write it this way. And yet it's so true to life. I've been praying and praying some pretty big prayers every day with my daily prayer routine. And I'll I'll pray a prayer for 40 days and suddenly it happens and it goes, I can't believe it. It's like, you can't believe it. You've been praying and believing it for 40 days and here it is. It's like, I can't believe it. That's exactly what's happening here. It's very real stuff that's taking place. Verse 17, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, that's the other James, not the James that was killed. It'd be hard to tell him. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Do you see the incredible contrast between James and Peter? What made the difference? The mobilized praying people. The key verse, again, was what verse? I cued you on this. This is your quiz. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Right about now, some of you are getting really nervous because I haven't filled in any blanks. Point number one is this. The zap view of prayer is the exception. The zap view of prayer is the exception. Here's the thing. We know God is powerful. He can say, I'm going to create the heavens and the earth. Zap. Heavens and earth. I'm going to separate the waters from the waters. Zap. The waters are separated. I'm going to separate the sea from the land. Zap. Sea from the land is separated. I'm going to create animals. Zap. And there's animals. I'm going to change the water into wine. Zap. I'm going to take bread and fish and multiply them out. Zap. 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 Zap, 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 zap. 12 basketfuls left over after 12,000 people are all eaten, right? Zap. And so we're praying and we want God to zap our request. Let me ask you something. If I believed that zap was the way to pray and you have this urgent prayer need and it's heavy on your heart and you ask me to start praying for you and I say, okay, I will. And I have a lot of faith. So I'm going to write this prayer down. Here's what I'm going to pray. See it? You like that? All right, that's what I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to fold it up now and put it in my drawer. Would you have me do that approach? Or would you rather have me say, I will pray with you, and I will pray with you every day. Let me pray with you right now, and I'm going to pray with you every day. Which would you like? Would you like me to have the great faith to pray once and put it in my drawer? Or would you like me to pray for you and with you every day? Right? So the zap view is you pray once. Don't worry about repetition because he already heard you. And just wait. And that is not what Jesus taught. Write this down. Luke 11, comma, Luke 18. Jesus teaches us pray over and over and persistently and more persistently and keep praying. If it's the right thing to pray, you just keep praying it. Elijah prays over and over and over for rain. The same prayer over and over until it happens. We have Daniel praying every day over and over and over. There's a battle that's taking place in the unseen realms that he's told out afterwards. He didn't have any idea what it was affecting. Daniel chapter 10, okay? 
Jesus tells us you've got to enter into prayer, and it's different than the zap view. Zap is exception. The norm is persistence in prayer until God answers. Okay, that's really, really important because here's what we do. We pray and it isn't happening. We get mad at God. You could do this. I know you can do this. You're God. How come you're not doing this? But we don't understand the mystery in the kingdom. One of the times that were really mysterious was when the disciples said, now we've cast out demons here and cast out demons there and we healed this person and healed this person and then there's this one that we couldn't heal. What was the deal with that? And Jesus said, this kind cannot be cast out except by prayer and fasting. There's more to it than just zap. It's like, are you kidding me? In the unseen realm, there's bigger, harder. It's not just going to happen with one prayer. Yes, Jesus teaches us that. Point number two on your outline is persisting earnestly and repeatedly is the norm. Persisting earnestly and repeatedly is the norm. Let's fill in A and B while we're at it. The prayer of intervention often takes time. And B, the prayer of intervention often takes repetition. I want you to picture this with me. Imagine we've got in the unseen realm of the clash of kingdoms and the battle that we're in, in a world we can't see, a huge tree that we need to break through on in the kingdom. Imagine your big prayer request as a huge tree. What Jesus is teaching us now is take prayer to it, your big prayer acts, and chip, a tiny chip falls out, and chip, another chip falls out, and you're praying again the next day, and chip, and then this tiny chip falls out, and this tree feels massive, and you feel like nothing is happening, and so you call in a prayer partners. By the way, I emphasize, and we emphasize here at the church, don't do life alone. Be a part of a small group. This is part of the deal. Prayer is never meant for, to be a lonely, alone thing. Even the Lord's Prayer, he, it's all plurals. Our Father, give us. It's prayed in the plural. It's with your group. Add to that group prayer. Chip. Have them be taking their acts to it too. Chip. And you're chipping into this big tree. Chip. And you just keep at it. Keep at it. It's the right thing to pray. You know it. The God, it's God's desire. It's God's will. And you keep chipping at it. And keep chipping at it. And it's been days. It's been weeks. It's been months. It could be years. And you're just taking it. Chip. And you're just recruiting others. Please pray with me. This is God's will. Chip. And then you hear this first crack. And then you're furious. Chip, chip, chip. And finally you hear this crack, crack, crack. And the thing comes tumbling down. Go, boom. You just had breakthrough. Success of the gospel on a kingdom level. Boom. And it's just rejoicing going up because you did exactly what Jesus taught you to do. Persist in the prayer that is right to pray. Some of us are only praying zap prayers. And we're frustrated that nothing's happening. Maybe you need to recruit other prayers. Other people to pray with you. Stay at it, stay at it, stay at it. Get ready. Pray. Listen. Repeat. Get ready again. Pray again. Listen again. Repeat again. And we could go through this loop. This is the prayer challenge. Would you stand with me? We're going to finish with a portion of a prayer that's in that prayer challenge packet. It's more of a declaration together this time. Here's how it reads. Let's declare it and pray it 
together. Here we go. Lord God, thank you for your angels who are willing to serve me in your kingdom. I summon your angel army in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as many as you think I need to come and fight and remove all that is raised up against me and my household and your church and its leaders and their households. Do battle in realms I see and in realms I cannot see. I pray all of this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.